Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Hoffman. Mark Magnuson, Russ Parker, and Riley Smith will be joining us later on in the program. Let's go ahead and look at some of the top stories. The biggest story of the week was the fact that the Commerce Department has lowered the tariffs on Moroccan phosphate fertilizer imports, bringing it from a 19.97% duty that we had on it to 2.12%. We had talked with Iowa Senator Joni Ernst just hours before this announcement was reached. Uh, U.S. producer of phosphate fertilizer, they they filed a petition with the Department of Commerce because they they felt that Morocco's fertilizer industry was um, unfairly benefiting its own uh, from its own government's help. So they were subsidizing basically in Morocco. So we had the Department of Commerce here in the United States. They had analyzed the, the data and the data they used was actually skewed. It didn't, it didn't represent the total global market. We have more for you at iowaagnet.com. Lots more to come here on Weekend Ag Matters. Right now, Russ Parker joins us with his faith-based food for thought. Been doing a fair amount of road time the last few weeks going back and forth to Florida. And I was surprised how much traffic there was on the interstates. Seemed like people were going places, some very quickly, to get to who knows where, and as fast as possible with a get-out-of-my-way attitude. I was young once, too. And, well, now I'm not so much in a hurry. For some reason, while my youngest son was driving, I think somewhere in Tennessee, I drifted off and somehow settled onto the last scene of Castaway and Tom Hanks' encounter at the crossroads on two back road highways. A young lady in an old Ford pickup steps out next to Hanks' parked car, and she says, You look lost. And his response, I do. And she asks, Where are you headed? And he responds, Just trying to figure that out. And she explains where the roads go in each direction, and she drives away, and and Hanks walks to the middle where the two roads cross. And he makes a series of 90-degree turns, and we're left to figure out which way he'll go. And suddenly, I woke up, somehow immediately knowing my son had taken a wrong turn, and we were headed in the wrong direction. Providence? Maybe. I have a favorite songwriter and singer. His name is Steve Emerson, and he sings a song called The Cross in the Road. And here's the chorus. What will we do? When we come to the cross and the road, when the pride we possess meets the grace that he shows, will we turn to the truth as his way unfolds when we come to the cross and the road? And I go back to that castaway scene and Tom Hanks's response when he's asked, where are you headed? And he answers, just about to figure that out. As Christians, How do we find our way and turn to the grace that he shows? King David in Psalm 119 provides part of that answer. He says, By your words, I can see where I am going. Your words throw a beam of light on my dark path. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. 
Thanks, Russ. That's going to do it for segment one here of Weekend Ag Matters. Mark Magnuson will be coming up next here after the break, so stay with us on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. If you thought soybeans were only used for tofu, think again. From tires and adhesives to next-generation asphalt, soy is used to create over 1,000 industrial products and counting. Thanks to your soy checkoff investment, the sky's the limit for Iowa soybean farmers. Oh, and speaking of skies, did I mention soy is also used in sustainable aviation fuel? The Iowa Soybean Association, powered by the soy checkoff, is driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Learn more at IASoybeans.com. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here is Mark Magnuson. Hello and welcome to segment number two of Weekend Ag Matters here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Today in segment number two, I speak with Dr. Brian Dorsey, head of veterinary strategy with Farmers Business Network. Dr. Dorsey joins me to tell us about the new Perfectus feed system from FBN for beef cattle. Mark Magnuson for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm joined today by Dr. Brian Dorsey. He is the head of veterinary strategy at Farmers Business Network, and he's here today to tell us about a new feed system, which is called Profectus. First of all, Dr. Brian, could you tell us about the new feed system and why you're so excited about it? Yeah, we're excited to roll out uh, the Perfectus feed system. It is a we we think revolutionary. Um, it is a new and novel way of formulating beef cattle diets. So traditionally, uh, beef cattle diets have been uh, formulated on energy and crude protein. Um, we take that a level deeper on the protein side and actually go after some spe- specific amino acids and specific ratios of those amino acids um, in the diet. And as we address those, um, those amino acid and uh, shortcomings that a traditional diet uh, provides for the cattle, we see dramatic improvement in performance and even that translates all the way through uh, to carcass value and onto the fab floor. So we're super excited to roll this new feed system out. Um, and it's a new way of looking at beef cattle uh, nutrition because it was once thought that the rumen was always a big blocker for balancing on amino acids. But, uh, you know, based on Dr. Curley's system, who's kind of the, the, the godfather of, our, of, of this research, who's on staff with us, um, we found a way to make those amino acids make their way through the rumen and translate into performance in our beef cattle. So we're super excited about it. So you already kind of answered my next question then. Uh, The fact that you say this is revolutionary, you know, it's a new way to do this in beef cattle. So was it that just research that you needed to get those answers and find out how to do this that makes it possible? Yeah, I think Dr. Curley's, um, you know, research and university uh, career um, was on a small scale, small pen type uh, of environment. And so can we take that same research and do it at scale into a a pen wide and and then into a yard wide um, opportunity for cattle producers to, to save money? Uh, the, the swine folks and the poultry folks, all those monogastrics have been doing uh, amino acid balancing for years. Um, it was just until recently that, that Dr. Curley and, and our group of nutritionists kind of discovered or proved out the unlock to make this commercially available to beef producers. You're trying to reduce the cost of gain, but at the same time, improving that feed efficiency. So it kind of is what we see in, you know, row crop agriculture, where we're talking about precision ag and trying to get that every last bit of efficiency. Is this kind of the same thing we're thinking about with this feed system? 
Absolutely. I think about um, this feed system is similar to unlocking the genetic potential. Just as we think about how our genetics have changed on the row crop side and, you know, all those things that detract from the genetic potential that's in the seed, we have the same same issue in livestock. And so as we address these amino acid shortcomings, we absolutely unlock the genetic potential of these animals. So the, the thought process of overlaying row crop ag um, on the beef cattle side is, is super, it's right along the same line of thinking. So Dr. Dorsey, I would imagine you've put this into testing then, you've had a chance to see some actual results. How did that play out? We have. Um, you know, we're very excited. Uh, it was just a week ago that we wrapped up a 400-day study uh, that we had that, that followed uh, cattle all the way through to harvest. Um, we, we saw improvements in feed to gain, improvements in average daily gain, which built into a, a reduction in cost to gain. And our, the goal of that, that harvest study was to, we, we were happy to, to see the productivity, to take the money that we saved in productivity and put that in our pocket and go down the road with a carcass that was as good as a traditionally fed, um, beef, beef animal. Um, however, we picked up substantially more uh, profit in the, the carcass value that we were able to garner in addition to the productivity um, dollars that were um, generated through the feeding period. So, you know, when we uh, did some check ways along uh, through this latest study, we had about an $83 a head advantage um, to the uh, conventionally fed cattle um, just in productivity and more pounds a gain per pound of feed that, that they consumed. Um, as we took that all the way to harvest, we were able to demonstrate savings in uh, reduced days on feed, as well as improvements in carcass quality and carcass characteristics. So we're very excited to, to stack those carcass savings on top of the productivity savings that we saw. And we were well north of $100, $130 ahead um, savings as we added the productivity onto the carcass savings. And that's by doing nothing more than addressing the amino acids in the in these cattle um, and trying to feed to their genetic potential. Again, one study, but um, we see uh, we, we've started to replicate that at other sites and, and the, the trends are continuing to be uh, uh, very similar, uh, whether it's native cattle, dairy cross, or even some exotics. So saving money on the inputs for the individual animal, also then raising that overall value of the animal. So I, I would ask Dr. Dorsey then, does this feed system, is this a system that you would recommend for all cattle producers or is there a certain subset of cattle producers that you would target this towards? I think it fits all cattle producers. I think if I'm a cattle owner or, or a rancher and retain feed, uh, retain uh, ownership through a feed yard, I think I wanna feed it a yard that's got the Perfectus feed system in there because the demonstrated carcass improvement as well as the productivity um, is dollars back in my pocket. If I'm a farmer feeder and um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeding cattle, um, I've got more pounds of, of live beef to sell per my crop acres, which are often, often the limiting factor on a, on a farm. So I, I do get more pounds of beef per acre farmed if I'm a farmer feeder. And as I'm a consumer, um, Perfectus cattle, uh, you know, based on the the tests that we just closed out, um, have an increased carcass uh, quality and value. So it's a better eating experience for the consumer. So the Perfectus feed system checks lots of boxes, checks the productivity box, checks the profitability box for the farmer. And it also 
checks the sustainability box to the consumer because we can grow more pounds of beef per pound uh, or per acre farmed um, than we can on on conventionally fed cattle. So we're very excited and, and feel like this is going to be a revolutionary approach to the market. And I was reading some of your previous comments about the feed system a few days ago, and you'd use the term win-win. So like you just said, there's a lot of things that go into uh, making the most efficient feed system possible because it does benefit us in so many ways. Yeah, I think in all of, of American agriculture today, efficiency, the, uh, the efficiency unlocks that we as producers need to evaluate and bring to the table to continue to feed the world. I think we've got to look at those through a return on investment and through a responsibility lens to the rest of the world to um, can I profitably do it and can I continue to feed the world and does it does it make sense for my operations? So the efficiencies that we are continuing to unlock, whether it be in genetics or, or pr- productivity, um, yeah, they're, they're, it's an exciting time to be in, in American agriculture. The Profectus feed system new from FBN. Dr. Dorsey, is there anything else you'd like to let our listeners, our viewers know about when it comes to this new feed, new feed system and what it can do? Um, I think, you know, a lot of the data um, can be accessed at FBN.com. Um, that's our platform uh, where we can go in and you can um, access and request more information if you want to learn more about the Perfecta feed system. Um, I think this is the, the next generation of cattle feeding. Um, and I think we, uh, as, as an industry, should be excited about the fact that we can get more specific and more targeted with our, our inputs and be more responsible. He's Dr. Brian Dorsey. He is the head of veterinary strategy with Farmers Business Network. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today and best of luck with the new feed system going forward. Thank you. We're excited. Thanks for having me. And that was Dr. Brian Dorsey, head of veterinary strategy with Farmers Business Network. That wraps up segment number two in this week's edition of Weekend Ag Matters. Up next, Riley Smith will close out this week's show with segment number three here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. November is full of weekly observances, which relate to the ag industry. There's National Hunger and Homeless Awareness Week, National Farm City Week, National Better Conservation Week, the Thanksgiving holiday, and so much more. Take the time to share the story of what your family farm is doing to be better stewards of the land and water. Also consider making a donation of food and time to help those who are less fortunate than yourselves. We are truly blessed. Do what you can to make an impact in the world around you, this month and always. This message is from your friends at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. On the phone here with Iowa Congressman Randy Feenstra for a chat just to catch up on some of the happenings in his office. Uh, First off, Congressman Feenstra, great to be chatting with you again. Oh, it's great to be on with you. It's always fun to be on and talk about agriculture. Absolutely. So first off, Congressman Feenstra, obviously a big topic right now, the Farm Bill. Uh, you know, at this point, we know pretty certain that it's not going to be that five-year uh, rework that we wanted to see there, um, but we could see an extension to the 2018 Farm Bill. Uh, you know, you've written a, a, or you've joined a letter recently to Speaker Johnson about a swift passage of the Farm Bill. Just tell us a little bit about what you guys were asking from him and, and what you want that swift passage to look like. Yeah, I tell you what, Riley, uh, this is so important. So, 
Uh, obviously, we have a new speaker. His name is Mike Johnson from Louisiana. Uh, I'll be honest, he does, doesn't know uh, a, a tremendous amount of agriculture, but in the last week and a half, we sure got him up to date. And uh, we're excited about that. He is passionate. He understands now how important it is to the Midwest and, and to the rest of our nation, how important this farm bill is. And I tell you, we wrote the letter uh, just explaining how important that farm bill is and its swift passage. Um, and now it sounds like that we're going to get it to the floor in December. I mean, uh, we're making we're making some real some big action here. And uh, again, if we can get to the floor, floor in December, if we can get it passed before the the new year, that's really significant. I know uh, Senator Thune and, and Klobuchar are working over in the Senate. Um, you know, uh, maybe we need a short-term CR on the farm bill. Obviously, we had a lot of programs sunset on September 30. Uh, but, you know, if we can just do two or three months CR and, and get this new bill passed, that'd be very significant. Right. And having that, uh, you know, having an extension onto the farm bill would be great, you know, in the meantime. But, you know, like you were just saying, the, the you know, kind of fight for that new farm bill is still very much ongoing, right? Yeah, oh, uh, exactly right. I mean, and, and it's got to happen. I mean, there's so many things that have to be updated in that farm bill, obviously from crop insurance to the export markets, F&D, uh, you know, all these things. Uh, there's a lot of plans, and, and uh, we got to get them passed. So uh, I, I think that, that a lot of this is going to happen, and we're going to see it in December. And as well, you've uh, been speaking recently. You had a meeting with the chief agricultural negotiator. Now, coming as a representative from uh, one of the top uh, ag-producing districts in the country, you know, what were some of the things that you guys were able to talk about? Well, I, I tell you, this was very significant because we got some issues. I mean, you look at our commodity markets right now. I mean, pork obviously is sagging. I mean, I mean we're losing forty dollars a hog right now or more, and and, and you look at at corn right now below five at four seventy five this morning somewhere there. Um, so we talked to the agriculture trade negotiator Doug McKellop, and there's two big issues that are really affecting corn, and, and that is the Brazilian tariff that was implemented a year ago, 16% tariff on our ethanol export, going up to 18 uh, Now, there was no tariff, right, a year and a half ago, and now all of a sudden it's on, and they're actually importing to us, which, again, shameful. Uh, we have no tariff, and I, I think that, you know, do we have to put a tariff on? Well, we talked to the negotiator about this, and they said hopefully in the next two to three months that they can get this resolved, that that tariff can come off. I mean, you think about it. We're, we're exporting about 6 million gallons. We were uh, before that tariff went on. Now we're down to about, uh, I think it is uh, 400,000, probably marching down to 200,000 in the next year. That's a, that's a massive hit. Then the other big issue, obviously, is, is the ban uh, that's going on in 2025 to, to our corn, to Mexico. 25% of our, our corn goes to Mexico uh, because of the GMO issue. Um, the USMCA has noted how we negotiate, how we change this, and, and that is in the works right now. However, I'll say this, and, and the, he noted it himself, is that could take anywhere from three to six months or more. Uh, by then, in the next year, they're going to have a new president, and we're just hoping that new president is more uh, amenable uh, to scientific, pr proven scientific knowledge about, about GMO corn. And, uh, you know, that's a big deal. We cannot, with our large corn uh, uh, that we have right now, uh, you know, our supply, we've got to find a uh, home, home for it, and we've got to increase our export markets to do that. Well, in such an interesting situation there, because even though they're, you know, claiming that they will be banning GMO corn, you know, in the country, they're not going to stop consuming GMO corn because they've really kind of ramped up their 
uh, purchases of corn recently to kind of have that stockpile for when they transition over to that. And it's uh, one of those examples, I think, of we can't have all of our trade eggs in one basket. And you've been working to open new export markets for Iowa agriculture. Uh, Obviously, having that diversification really helps us to have a a stronger marketplace. So what's some of the work that's been going on there? Yeah, Yeah, and you hit it. It's the bottom line. And and, and from all the commodities. So so number one, in the farm bill, we're going to try to double uh, the amount of dollars that are going into MAP and FMD. I mean, we've got to grow our developing markets. We've got to grow our exports. Um, and number two is uh, I, I created a fridge act that's going to be in the farm bill also. When you start thinking of our commodities, whether that be uh, our livestock, whether it be milk or dairy, it needs cold cold chain storage. And a lot of the developing countries just don't have the capacity for cold chain storage. So what we're trying to do, do is use some of those FMD dollars to expand cold chain storage uh, for, for some of the for, for many of our commodities. And again, that's how you grow our exports. Uh, and then also, I mean, really holding the feet to the fire of Doug McKellop uh, and and our administration. We haven't had any new free trade agreements this year at, at all. I mean, we haven't had any since since uh, Biden administration took over, and, and that's unheard of. Um, we've got to get on the ball. They've got to open doors for us. Uh, obviously, we're seeing in our commodity prices right now that are really low, except for, for cattle. Uh, everything else is seeing the hit, and we got to change this. Right, and we know that and, you know that doesn't just come from the commodity itself. It's also looking at the byproduct opportunities that we have there. You know, we've been talking a lot about ethanol. You know, we, we look at soybean meal, which is soaring right now, and yeah. even in the livestock markets, you've got specialty cuts that are honestly, you know, sometimes are a little more appealing to other countries. You know, a big thing with. Uh, with the uh, swine is they're finding new ways to make chicharrones right. down in Mexico and a big, you know, market like that. So it's not just looking at what we have already. It's looking at those other opportunities too, right? Yeah, and you nailed it. I mean, from, from biodiesel to ethanol to, you know, selling ham, there's so much opportunity around the world, right? But we have to have the ability to do it. And it just seems like we're sitting on our hands right now. So the farm bill, we're trying to get extra dollars uh, to make sure we can do that. But we also need an administration that is out doing their job uh, to open up and expanding these markets. So uh, it, it all goes together. But, you know, for our producers, when you're creating excess supply, uh, you, have a, you have to have a place to go with it. So you mentioned uh, before that, you, you know, some of the other acts that you're working on, uh, another big one right now is the Crop Insurance for, for Future Farmers Act. Obviously, you know, having new and future farmers and even farmers who are taking over uh, their uh, farms from possibly their parents, grandparents, and having insurance for that is a big deal. So just tell us a little bit about what all is included in the act and who exactly it's kind of aiming to uh, provide that security net for. Yeah, I tell you what, here's the bottom line, is that we have to make sure that our rural farmers, Iowa farmers, Midwest farmers have that land go to the next generation. We cannot have foreign landowners buying our American farmland. We can't have absentee farm, uh, absentee landowners buying our farmland. It doesn't work. So we've got to drive down costs. So when I've talked to our our, uh, bankers, you know, there's obviously the cost of buying land, but the operational costs are the real kicker uh, when you're buying seed, but insurance is that next big cost. And so what we're trying to do for that beginning farmer is to reduce that cost by 10 to 15% over the first five to 10 years of when they're buying that insurance to help out that operational loan so they can cash flow. And this is going to be part of the farm bill also. Again, we got to think outside the box. 
We have to make sure that land stays in America hands, in Iowa hands, and not through China. We've got to make sure we're banning China from buying our farmland. And, you know, one of those other things you see is it's just so difficult for either new farmers to get into it or sometimes for that inheritance to work out the way it should. You know, whether it's death taxes, you're looking at, uh, like you said, foreign investors coming in, whether it's other states, other countries coming in and trying to buy farmland. It shouldn't be this hard to uh, buy farmland right now, but honestly, looking at the landscape, it is. It is, and, and you talk to any you know beginning farmer. I mean, you have that next generation coming. We have so many retirees that are happening. You know, uh, people that are, are you know sixty five, seventy five, eighty. They want to pass it on to the next generation, and, and they just don't have the capacity. They don't have the dollars, and, and this is this is tragic. And if we don't resolve this. You know, our land is not going to be owned by that next generation farmer that, that resides in the Midwest. And then, you know, one of those other things to have aid for rural farmers, uh, your Acre Act, access to credit for our Rural Economy Act. Uh, explain to us just a little bit on, you know, how this will help out with, uh, you know, the financial side of things again for uh, Iowa farmers. Well, what it does, I mean, again, you want to lower the interest rate. Um, you know, when, when, when you have uh, producers borrowing for land or, or for operational, whatever it is, uh, you, you cannot have uh, an extra cost. And right now they have to pay tax. The bank has to pay tax on that interest earned. And what this bill simply does is creates an exemption, which most businesses have this exemption, exemption except for farming. Uh, so it allows an exemption for interest earned on, on, uh, on loans. On, on real estate loans. And to me, this is such a big deal. And it lowers that cost and that, that operational cost, that interest rate. And that's what we're trying to get to, to flush it down to the farmer where they're paying, a, you know, maybe a percent or percent and a half lower on that loan. Um, again, it comes down to cash flow. And this is that Acre Act. This is what it does. We're excited about it. We think that we can get it through ways and means here probably in the next uh, six weeks or so. We'll have to see because of obviously some of the issues that have happened in the last couple of weeks. But Everybody supported, bipartisan. I have 46 co-sponsors on this bill, uh, about half Democrats, half Republicans. So this is a big deal. That again was Iowa Congressman Randy Feenstra. And that's it for today's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. Thanks again for tuning in. You can listen to this episode and more by going to the podcast tab on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network website at iowaagnet.com. For Russ Parker, Mark Magnuson, and Dustin Huffman, I'm Riley Smith. Wishing you a great rest of your weekend. Join us again next week for more Weekend Ag Matters.